0: to start things off welcome to the PHLY Sixers podcast here on this Tuesday another non-game day for the home team uh, joined by of course Kyle Newbeck and Derek Bodnar I'm Devon Gibbons. we're with you here to hang out and discuss quite a bit of things including the in-season tournament the December schedule that as you saw and maybe maybe not but a little bit of a cakewalk if you've checked out the schedule folks want to get into that fully healthy roster shake out for how that's going to play out and much much more as we hang out with you for the next hour or so fellas what's up well you know
2: the sixers light schedule they're just taking after you over the last few months devon just decided not to
0: work for a little bit you you know i did have a meeting with them about just that you take advantage of how to do it what do you need to do all the things you need to do during your time off and, I, yeah, I got pretty good at it, you know, doing nothing. <laughs> and I told them how to do the exact Hopefully same thing. Hopefully not too good at it. We not, need you here, no, buddy. I'm, you about I'm it. in now. I'm in now, just like we hope that they are in once they uh, have the ball start to uh, tip off again on Wednesday with the, I guess, just a uh, new schedule that they have because of not making it to Las Vegas mm-hmm. or not making it to the uh, tournament play to see if they advance to Las Vegas. So, we, we need to start there kind of and talk about a, a little bit uh, in combination of the schedule that they have now, a little bit of time off playing last Friday against the Boston Celtics, which ended up in a tough loss. And then, of course, here now with the in-season tournament playing out the way that it is with Indiana very good game last night against the Boston Celtics as the Indiana Pacers took down the Celtics. Devon, if I'm making Las faces Vegas over <laughs> here,
2: by the way, is there someone like watching cartoons outside hey, or so like dude, I'm used
0: to stuff like that? <laughs> <laughs> and, and well, Join shows like, live. What you hear the faces, hell?
2: It, It's nothing. You just keep going. We have going. Bree in the back, like checking the window to make sure nobody's getting uh, injured outside. Trust so me, I, I apologize I, if I no, lost focus no, on no, no, what no, you're no. saying no. for me, a second. I
0: heard it also, but again, I guess. I'm just well trained you're the true professional going. of the just group keep I going guess, and, and then that's what that's what i did but yeah i heard it too okay. and maybe the other people did as well Bree did for sure but guys uh this schedule coming up they have they have a pretty good schedule coming up here beginning with the washington wizards on wednesday and 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 going forward just some easy things in front of them that as we talked about a cakewalk. derek start with you man just looking at this schedule and what what they could potentially do over the next at least nine games, as we all mapped out before the show, before we get to the Christmas Day game against the Miami Heat on the road, they have a chance to really make some some headway here with the schedule. Yeah, and these the standings teams are, at twelve and seven right now. These teams are garbage.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so I just I just I did love the math. It. I just did the math on the next six opponents. They had a combined twenty nine and eighty one record that includes is that good? That includes a game <laughs> yes, against for a three the three and sixteen Washington Wizards and two games. Against the two and eighteen Detroit Pistons, uh, the headliner of that group—and I use that phrase very loosely—is the nine and ten Atlanta Hawks, who are almost five hundred. <laughs> Six straight games against teams below five hundred, some of them very far below five hundred. They should—and you're coming at a time when you know this break in the schedule, this in-season tournament break, uh, where they had you know a game on Friday and the next game is until Wednesday. They basically go a, entire week only having one game. It's perfect because you just had. Joel Embiid out of lineup with Sickness. You just had Tyrese Maxey out of lineup. Nick Mattoon was out of lineup. Kelly Oubre is getting back in the lineup. Uh, a period where if this was a packed portion of the schedule, it could have been, it could have really cost them in the standings. It does not, uh, and they have a a, a real a, a ramp-up period that would make Devon Givens blush because they have a chance to get back on track.
0: <laughs> yes, they will. Uh, they they, <laughs> they really do, man. These teams, as you said, they stink. They, they're really bad, and this is an opportunity, Kyle, for them to just really go in there Take care of business against these teams and start to really get their groove back again as we seen them drop a few that we thought they maybe should have won and blown out in one of them but now having the roster and we'll get into all of that uh, completely healthy and coming back a bit of a ramp up period against these teams not overlooked teams but we know that they are better than them.
2: Yeah, look, I am personally very bitter mm-hmm. that we didn't have the opportunity to go to Las Vegas for Same. the end season tournament semifinal and potentially final. Derek and I, before you joined us, Devon, we're all in on the idea of, you know, we're at late night Friday at the Bellagio. I'm playing some craps. I see some people just waltzing around night before a game. You never know what's going to happen in yep. Las Vegas, and that dream died, unfortunately, but... The good news for the Sixers is that they already had this, you know, soft schedule from next Monday against Washington basically up until they play Minnesota right. on December 20th. And then they get eliminated from the in-season tournament. And it's like, here, here's a gift-wrapped game against the Wizards for you. Here's a game against the Atlanta Hawks that is the toughest game they play and it's at, at home. home. Yeah. So, that uh, uh, this should be an easy, I mean, just go right through the list. Washington twice. Detroit twice. That, if those aren't four wins, something has gone horribly wrong. Atlanta's the the tough one. And then you get Charlotte and Chicago. Charlotte stinks. LaMelo Ball currently hurt on yep. top of that. And Chicago, Zach Levine is actively sabotaging the team or I guess like not really invested in playing for the Bulls right now. That should be an easy seven consecutive wins. I know that's easier said than done, obviously. And we've seen the Sixers look a gift horse in the mouth before and and put in some real stinkers. But even if they have guys that sit on back-to-backs, even if this illness that's been messing with the team for, you know, the last week or week and a half, week or so, if that continues to knock guys out of the lineup, they still have more than enough to get it done against every single one of hey, these look, teams with
0: with the wizards tomorrow can, can we just talk about how i've i've seen them you you both have seen them everybody out there who's watching you they're s- a comedy routine I more than about, they all I'm are glad basketball i
1: that way because they are really,
0: follies with benny hill music behind it when yeah. you watch that team
1: defensively they drive me nuts and i'm covering the other team uh, and even still they are an affront to basketball uh, their defense is an abomination everyone on that team feels like they're checked out on that end and they don't communicate and they're bad defenders it's just they should be able to execute and get whatever they want. And even the good teams in this stretch, Atlanta, the quote-unquote good team, they've lost six of their last nine games. The Bulls actually have a relatively decent record among this group, and they're, like Kyle said, a complete train wreck right now. They it did beat like the Bucs recently. Ready. We should sure. know. That was a nice they win They seem for like them. they're about ready to quit on the season, on each other, on the team, on yeah. the franchise. There's just, like, you should be able to reel off. And really, they only have one back-to-back in this group. And the front end of that is Detroit. You should be able to put that game away in the third quarter and, and really have some time off. You could probably even sit Embiid and, and win that game comfortably. They should be able to look there. I think some people have maybe had some panic here of late because the Sixers did lose six. You know, they went four and six in their last 10. Some of that comes down to the fact that Embiid missed some time. Some of that came down to uh, you know, back to back, some illnesses, what have you. They should have a chance to get right. And if they're 12 and seven now and if they can win, let's say, six of the next seven games, they should be sitting. Uh, pretty um, pretty good, they just have to take you care You could have just left it
2: at pretty. It should yeah. be sitting pretty.
1: <laughs> I think that's what I was going for, and I just, anyway. Listen,
2: yeah. I, I got you. Even if the Sixers have that type of brain cramp in the middle of a game, they should still beat these teams by
0: 15 or 20 points, basically. I've watched
1: this team. They definitely have those kind of brain cramps. We've seen this sure. team
0: so. years ago when the Sixers were that team, and the teams that were supposed to beat the Sixers generally did that during that time, and that's exactly Even when it. they
1: came out with like a C-minus effort, Maybe the Sixers would be up in the third quarter. You would think something could happen? No, no, no. The team wakes up. The Sixers should be the team that wakes up.
0: No question about yeah. it. I absolutely have to, and and I don't see any reason why why they won't. Against, I mean, that Washington team. When you see, uh, Jordan Poole, it was already a joke when he was traded there, and everyone. The joke, the running joke, was just simply all right, what is he really going to do with this free flow? He has this, his own team, his essentially. His own team, yeah. He and Kyle Kuzma, they, we're going to talk it out and all that. And you have veterans who are Ty Jones. I know you bring him up a lot. Somebody who can really pull you in and 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 really have you, hey, we got to play the right way. We have to do all. It oh, sounds great. And then it just goes right out the other ear of Jordan Poole because he's just going to be Jordan Poole. And watching him and... Seeing the things that he's doing, it's like, oh my gosh, I like watching basketball. I can't watch this. This is outrageous, the way that they're playing basketball.
2: And by the way, that might be that trade, Jordan Poole for Chris Paul, that might be one of the, the two most opposite people in the NBA, where Chris Paul, for whatever his flaws are, is like maniacal competitor, always trying to set everybody else up, is like trying to win at all costs, sometimes in ways that... He ends up embarrassing himself from time to time, flopping and some slightly dirty plays, things like that. And then you have Jordan Poole, who's doing like, I'm going to do a 180 before I take a three, or I'm going to throw an alley-oop off the backboard when we're down by 25 points. It's like, you know, I you could not have found yeah. two more different guys in the league than those also two. want to point
1: out, we have Ishmael in the chat hey. saying uh, that he will see us on the 15th. I don't think we've mentioned this on air. We have a... Takeover at the Wells Fargo Center for the December 15th game. Uh, You can go to allphly.com. There's an event section on the top. Click that. You can get all the details for that, but we are excited to see a bunch of you out there at that game. That's a
2: great promo by Derek, and the basic upshot of it is, guys, we're going to all sit together in the same section. There will be passes to get in early, get down to the floor level, go see the guys warm up before the game I believe all three of us will be there to hang out, take in the game, do all that. So it's going to be a whole lot of fun. It's we have a lot of fun here and hoping to pass that along to you
0: guys at a game that
2: hopefully the Sixers win by like thirty points.
0: They're bad too. They're they're about to break, and we hope to they're see even you worse all on the fifteenth. Yeah, and look, the talk has already been there. The Are Wizards gonna, beat them by like nineteen. <laughs> they're going to break the Sixers' record with the nine wins on the campaign. That's the uh, is the, the record of course, and the Sixers of the rebuild tried to, but they got the 10, and so that team is awesome. Now, look, but they have... They're the opposite of... They are just they just stink, but <laughs> right, they have a good coach, all that. They're the opposite of they have good players. Kate Cunningham, I enjoy watching him. I like watching the Sword Thompson because he's fun I'm, to... Work.
2: I really enjoy him. Yeah. I, I want him on a better team yeah. than Jaylen the team Durin, he's on.
0: the local product, he's also on that squad, so... They have good pieces. They're just not ready yet. Yeah. So that at least you're looking at that one and saying, yeah, I feel feel kind of bad for that guy because they're that bad. But again, another opponent that's on the list for the Sixers, two games during that stretch that Derek laid out that they should really handle their business against that team. But yeah, I, I do like a few of their players that they have on that group. And then... Bogdanovich, are you scouting him to potentially be traded somewhere, if not the? Sixers? Oh, I was going to say,
2: I'm not really scouting him too hard at this well, point. Some, he kind of but to potentially are, trade for him, yes, yeah, that's a
0: little different. Yeah, so you know they'll go and scout
2: him that night.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> it'll be fun. Yeah, but I, I think the the real the real important piece here is it's even less about the schedule than it is. These guys finally, you know, knock on wood. I don't want to jinx anything. These guys finally seem like they're going to get a run of games where they're going to have either everybody or close to everybody. Joel Embiid's back from illness. Tyrese Maxey's back from illness. Kelly's available. Uh, Nick at practice today was not a full participant, but Nick Nurse said
1: I I broke my own rule.
2: Nico (laughs) Batum was not a full (laughs) participant. Nick Nurse said that Nico will more than likely play in all these games that he's not in real jeopardy of missing anything and that this is more a precautionary thing to make sure that his finger's not in danger. All that is to say, all their question marks that they've had in the rotation, injury, illness, all that, they're starting to disappear. And it's coming at a time where, you know, you want those guys for the big games, the Bostons, the Milwaukee's, all that. But to have the full squad for this period – These are important stretches in your season where if you can win six, seven games in a row, go seven and two, eight and one leading into Christmas, that's a big deal. That puts you closer to, you know, one seed, two seed territory. And then we see how it plays out over the rest of the season.
0: And that's something, you know what, let's get into that a little bit more because we can talk about the rotation. We can discuss all of that of them getting the better who may be in, who may be out of that rotation at that point. Uh, as we move forward during this stretch before we get to Christmas and that Miami game, and we'll touch on that in just a second. But first, I have to tell you about chocolate milk. We have a new sponsor. Look at that, man.
1: It's day two. I was a little <laughs> worried he was gonna talk right past the ad break. Not only did he know it was there, but he 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 transitioned perfectly to it. That man. And then a you pro. blew Thank you. it.
0: <laughs> Thank you. No, I can keep going. Just like that noise before, we got past <laughs> it. We just keep going. Pennsylvania Dairy Farmers and Team. Chocolate Milk, yes, professional. And college athletes have been known to get into their chocolate milk fix, whether they feel like it's to refuel or not. Well, guess what? Yeah, we're talking about it, having it for you to be able to refuel. They've known about the power of chocolate milk as a refuel and recovery beverage for a very long time. Chocolate milk provides high quality protein for muscle repair, electrolytes for hydration, hydration and even calcium for your strong bones, like these guys right here, big, strong gentlemen, you know, the chocolate milk, <laughs> the strong bones. That, that's definitely what did it is, there the chocolate milk, baby. There you go. That's why studies consistently show that chocolate milk is an ideal sports for recovery beverage. Whether you're recovering after a workout at the gym and run around Boathouse Row, I'm not doing that, but you can, or a bike ride on the Schuylkill Trail, chocolate milk is an ideal post-workout beverage. Playing hoops, that's more of my, you know, I'll I'll do that after that, and physical therapy. Take care of your body. (laughs) Doesn't end with the clock hitting zero on your workout routine. Give your body what it needs to properly recover. What could be better than a scientifically proven recovery beverage made right here in Pennsylvania that also tastes great? Well, learn more about how chocolate milk can help refuel and recover after your next workout by visiting teamchocolatemilk.com.
1: I also want to tell you about Hero Bread. Uh, As I've mentioned before, I've long been on the lookout for a low-carb bread that allows me to hit my dietary needs while retaining all the flavor you come to expect. Recently, I've made that transition to Hero Bread as not only does it taste great, but they have a wide variety of offerings from sliced bread, tortillas, burger and hot dog buns and more delivered directly to your door. Enjoy all the taste without the guilt. The bread is fluffy, delicious and flavorful, high in fiber and low on net carbs with fewer calories than the leading national brand and five to 10 grams of protein per serving. You can either place a one off order or set up a subscription so you can get Hero Bread delivered directly to your door every two weeks, every month, or whatever you need to make sure you're stocked up and ready to go. Right now, Hero Bread is offering the PHLY fam 10% off their first order. Just go to hero.co and use our code PHLY to save on Hero Bread today. That's H E R O.co to save 10% today. The I Kyle can't get
2: comfortable himself. in this chair, man. This thing keeps sinking and sinking. we got to like figure out.
1: Kyle came in, and for a minute, he was shorter than me, and his ego was <laughs> no. completely... No, and nut. so during, literally during
2: the ad break, I just felt the chair drop <laughs> the longer that you guys were talking. I don't know what's going on with that, but
0: uh, well, I'm, I'm
2: going to be fidgeting with this chair the entire show. Personally, I feel pretty good
0: because I actually have some height <laughs> like with these guys. We look the same height here, uh, here in the studio, but um, let's talk about the fully healthy roster potentially for this group outside of the nicholas Batum finger issue but he's a pro and and he'll he'll get out there and he'll, he'll hoop it up and tape it up whatever he has to do to get out there and play as part of the starting lineup and that's a big piece of it will we get a chance to see this starting lineup going forward in this form the way we need to see it without guys just taking nights off or whatever it may be but as we talk about this stretch where right now the backcourt of melton and maxi and then the front court of Batum. Harris and Embiid, and then we get to the rotation that we haven't yet seen, guys. Of Morris, Beverly, potentially Covington, and Ubre coming back. Paul Reed, whether it's Springer or Mobamba having a good game, they might want to give him a, a few minutes. Whatever it might be that Nick Nick Nurse decides that he wants to do, we finally have an opportunity, Kyle, to see this group as we're supposed to see it with everybody involved. And we really, even though it's been fun already, twelve and seven, a couple that they've dropped. We've enjoyed the basketball that we've watched and we get to see it with the guys in the places that they need to be. Yeah, so Devon, I want to hit on some stuff from the chat right
2: now. Mm -hmm. Anthony asked, what about D-House? Is he back? Yes, D-House is back in the mix. He's no longer listed on the injury report. The only player on the roster right now that has any sort of designation is D'Anthony Melton and he is listed as probable for Wednesday's game listed under illness, I assume, I don't know this for a fact, I assume that it's the same thing that he's been dealing with for a little while now. So they have basically everybody. And to me, the question becomes, you know, one of the interesting pivot points for the rotation right now is, does Nick Nurse actually want to play Marcus Morris? Or is that a guy who's been in the mix because they have had people in and out, right? And I think Marcus has probably been better than certainly than Derek and I were predicting. But I'd long-term, I would rather see Derek's making faces over there, so maybe he doesn't <laughs> agree with that assessment. I think offensively, he's been a little better than yeah, I expected. Yeah, defensively,
1: I think he's been largely what I expected, which is a problem.
2: So the question becomes, does Nurse continue to lean on him now that they have essentially everyone available, or are we going to see more of Jaden Springer? Is D-House back in the rotation? Because D-House was playing... I'd say quite a bit leading into you know that brief layoff that he just had. So I guess what is your read on it right now, Derek, on, you know, whether you think Morris is going to play or I not. I have
0: thoughts. <sighs> I do.
1: I am concerned that he will continue to play. I think Nick might actually like him and value him. I think he likes that ability to shoot. And I think he leans on veterans perhaps more than he should. Uh, but this is the first time we've really gotten a chance to see the entire squad, uh, especially because Batum had to take that second personal leave and then Oubre uh, got in uh, that accident. Uh, So this is a chance to really evaluate the full roster and Nick's use of it. And I think this is one thing, like I give Nick credit because a couple times, uh, and I think Austin Krell might've brought this up. I was on his show. I know he's in the chat right now, so I don't want to not credit him. I think Austin might've brought this up. You don't need to give Austin any credit. (laughs) Not not give him credit, but just at least mention (laughs) that he said this. But that, uh, you know, Nick will say like, look, that was a wrong call. That was a wrong decision to make. We'll learn from it. We'll move on. I sort of hope that maybe Nick will have a couple games here where he will try it out. If it doesn't work, he'll pivot and move away. But I'm not sure I can necessarily say we're done with the Marcus Morris era in Philly. Not at that point this for is, sure.
0: This is where we're going to have a lot of fun. Because, number one, I agree. I do think he will remain somewhere in the, you know, the universe of what Nick Nurse wants to do in terms of going with his rotation. Just
1: keep him away from the five, please. Keep him away from the five. No, please no, Chris Marcus course.
0: Morris at center. I've yes. seen enough. But see, but- I think, I think this is where I'm intrigued because he does have that versatility of being able to play, you know, whatever wing position you want to talk about, three, the three or four, however you want to jumble that up together and have that in places, the three and the four that he can play that. And I'm still curious of what he is going to be able to do with this personnel and. Can Marcus Mars buy into whatever? This is not L.A. where he's saying, I'm not getting an opportunity. He's getting an opportunity now. So with that... Although he did say at practice recently... Yes, but wasn't that was, before... Wasn't that before... That was after the one game where he played well, game. He played well, one right? game, he played well and yeah. And, and since then, whatever interviews he may have had, he has not said that. He just simply seems like he's buying into what they're doing. And now, especially if he is in that rotation... If he buys in, we do know that he can score. Now, I haven't seen him where he's gotten outside of himself, where we talked about Kelly Oubre, where you yeah, got to no, pull he's, him back in. He's he fine. has played within what, what, with what they've asked of him. And I've even seen it where, watching from home, before I had the opportunity to be here with you guys, that he's out there on the floor with MB, Maxi, whoever he might be, and he's just doing what he's doing. He's in the corner. He's going to set the screens. He's rolling. He's popping out but he's not complaining about not getting the ball. Even when I'm looking at him, I'm like, Joel, passing the Rock, he's wide open, (laughs) but it's Joel. And what, what have we seen in the past from Marcus Morris? Where you can see it in his body language, where he is upset because he's not getting the opportunity to touch the Rock, and he's out of it the next play. I agree with the defense that that is a problem, but if he's buying in and he's bought in, and he's also taking the shots that he should be taking within the offense... I'm not mad at it, because I still want to see this full roster that we're talking about completely healthy, that maybe he does have a piece where you don't lose him, and you call in his number later when he doesn't play two games, and he knows that when he is against a specific team, whatever that matchup might be, and Nurse is calling your number and you're ready, that he is engaged. So well, I'm. That's how I look at
2: it. So I think that's a really important piece, right? Like I'm. I'm not as in on Morris as you are, Devon, or as yeah. you seem to be. I don't want to put words in your mouth there. I appreciate. But it. what I would say is that I think a, one of the most important jobs a coach has during an NBA regular season is keeping guys alive, so to speak. So not letting someone... Bringing out the Brett speak. Yeah, it's it's a real thing. Is making sure that everybody that you have on your roster feels like they are part of what you're building. And for different guys, that might mean different things. Like, generally, young guys are getting the short end of it, right? You say to them, like, you have to really earn your opportunities, and I think that's a really unfortunate thing. It's part of the reason I don't want to see as much Morris is because I want to see Jaden Springer. I want to see smaller, quicker, athletic lineups that, yes, you're going to have to sacrifice, I think, the present-day shooting and offensive ability that Morris has, but you need Springer to develop over the long term and even the short to medium term for like the playoff run, if Mm -hmm. he's still here, if you're trying to make him an appetizing trade chip potentially to swing a deal at the deadline. You need that a lot more than whatever you're getting from Marcus Morris. Like, I think they can approximate what Morris delivers with any number of guys, right? Like, at this point, a few years ago, I think you could ask him to create more. He was a better defensive stopper in man matchups, like one-on-one situations that I don't trust him as much anymore because he's just, look, he's older. It, It happens. It's not really his fault. And I would rather the shot opportunities go to guys who are similar shooters, the Cubs. I think Ubre has certainly proven himself as a guy who can get hot sure. over the course of his career. And then the, the other minutes go to the developmental pieces, the Jaden Springers of the world, and more guard play where you have guys who might be able to dribble and attack guys as secondary creators. So that's my only piece of it. It's not that I think Morris has been – bad at least offensively so far i don't like the defense it's that i just don't know that it's a wise use of the playing time to develop players and how, the rotation how much for moving I, how much forward time is
0: that though like truthfully how much time is that when we're talking about the minutes that he's going to get as a ninth man off the bench with springer so each of them are the ninth man on that particular night how many minutes is that really and how much of that because i'm big on two when it happens how it happens so, for sure. when it happened, how it happened in the in the guts of the game. When is he getting these minutes? What did they need in those minutes? Where his minutes needed more than, or his skill set needed more than Jaden Springer's, for an example, or even Daniel House? Because I like Daniel House just like you do, you guys do too. But sometimes I'm like, oh. He's running a little wild right now. Right. He's one Pulling of those back. guys that you have to say, all right, it's not his S- night. Slow Just down. like, <laughs> right. let's
2: go to somebody else. Right, right.
0: So that's all, that's all I'm saying in terms of his minutes. What are those? Are they 10? Are they 15? Are they eight?
1: Here's my other thing, though. I think there's a very low chance, like sub 20%, maybe sub 10% chance, that Marcus is even on the team in three months. Fair. So, yeah, you might want to keep him close, keep him alive, keep him active. I'd rather kind of keep the guy on the, on the active that has a chance of actually being in the rotation in February and, and March. Um, and I want to evaluate Springer. I want to up his trade value if that's your end goal. Can't do any of that on the bench. Um, and quite frankly, I just prefer watching athletic, you know, defensively-minded guys who can get you out in the break. That's not Marcus Morris. You have, like Kyle said, you have enough people you can slide to a four, whether that's Covington or Batum. You don't have anyone that replicates what Springer brings do. I'd rather him get the... Um, experience than a guy who I just don't think has any real chance of being on the team and certainly no real chance of being in the playoff roster. I just don't get, or not playoff rotation. He might. Be and I do roster. think
0: Ubre and Covington will be on the team. Unless something major happens, we have to be included. The, the, I mean, I will probably be more in a situation like that where you're looking yeah. at Covington and Ubre being in that rotation and sure you want them to be able to have those minutes. I, and I don't, this is a problem that they have not had in a while. Sure. But we're still talking about the depth of the team. Yeah. Players that can play 10 to 15 minutes off the bench. And
1: we're arguing over good problems that they currently have. Which is also funny you say that. And I agree with that. They're deeper than they have been almost at any point. They're last in the league in bench points per game. And I think people make too much of that at times. Because especially on a top heavy team like the Sixers, where you specifically stagger your two stars to make sure one of them are on the floor at the same time. You're not asking them to be scorers. You're not really looking for a microwave scorer off the bench, although Uber will fill that role now. You want players who can play off of your two stars, and I think the Sixers have largely done that. That being said, I do think that stat, last in the league in points per game off the bench, directly ties in the fact that they don't have any real perimeter options and perimeter creators. One thing Kyle brings up pretty much every show, the lack of people off the bench who can dribble. Uh, so I, just, I think Dribbling is a, a, a an important skill. <laughs> I think also. that is reflected in that uh, in that.
2: Point total As against. someone who is not much of a ball handler himself, I would say that uh, I appreciate the guys who can actually get people into their sets and their hey, offense. Beverly, baby. I also would appreciate a chair that doesn't have me sinking an inch. Would you every, like to switch? Uh, I'm sure. So no, it's not. I don't care about I you looking switch. like a Thor over there. <laughs> it's more the fact that I keep having to like adjust my elbows and figure out where I'm uh
0: where I'm sitting here, but you know what guys? Yes, we have a big game on the 15th and if people want to, join, if
2: you us, want to figure out where
0: you're sitting,
2: bingo outside of the takeover, where you can buy tickets directly but from us, way, a, a
1: limited number of tickets. so will get on that quickly. Yeah, yes.
2: please do. We'd love to see Come kick it with us. Everyone wants to be there with us, but if you want to get tickets outside of December 15th, the game time app is the place to go because buying tickets to your favorite events right. should not be stressful they have killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee so you can stop stressing over the tickets, start getting hyped for all the fun you'll have. You know, I feel like I keep bringing up non-sports, non-basketball stuff when I talk about this with You're Derek. Good. You tried and, to, try to take me to the ballet one was uh, Listen, Man. we're talking about ballet and theater. I know Wicked has been in town. I know the Nutcracker is showing. Maybe we have to convince our buddy Vince here at PHLY to do a team bonding trip. We'll buy some tickets through game time and uh, – Really enjoy the holidays together, fellas. Just, you know, keep an open mind. Yeah, I don't know if I'll get you guys to go see the Nutcracker, but we'll figure something out. But look, guys, if you're looking for last-minute deals on great tickets, game time's where you got to go. You don't have to plan months in advance. They have tickets right up to the day of the event. And you can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for absolutely anything, football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the game time guarantee means you will always get the best price. Find tickets in the same section and row for less. Game Time credits you 110 percent of the difference. I think that's awesome. And as another reminder, tickets make great holiday gifts. I know Christmas is coming up. We're getting closer and closer. If you didn't take advantage of Black Friday sales, Game Time still has your back. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app. Create an account. Use code PHLY for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem code PH. LY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. And I promise you that your seat won't sink into the floor like mine <laughs> is right now. That's the other game time guarantee, although I don't know if that's in the uh, fine
1: print or not. You're going to have to get Kyle a booster seat for <laughs> the
0: show. These are new seats like in the center, right? The, the, the new seats that they have for the, uh, for the capacity crowd there? Oh yeah, I, don't the, know. I haven't uh, sat there. I was, I was, gonna I was, say, I I was there for been there. game one of the Big Five showcase that they okay. had. Mr. Saturday. College over here. Yeah. Fancy boy. Went to watch the first game, Villanova <laughs> and, and LaSalle. No, Drexel. Villanova and Drexel was yeah. game one. Villanova dropped it. Drexel. I just want to make one. a note. My, my head right yeah. now yeah. is
2: like right at the white line. There you go.
0: We're going to, by the end of this segment,
2: I want to show you exactly where I'm sitting.
0: And I'm going to keep my hands flat on the desk so you know I'm not manipulating anything. All right, folks watching, make sure you keep an eye on this. <laughs> Send it in the chat. Seat too. watch. So point you
1: know, out when Kyle's, Kyle's head gets below the ice, point it out in the
0: chat, please. So you can figure it out. Again, I'm sure, I, I you know, sink into the floor. I can deal with that. Don't worry. Man. You don't want to lose any height. I, I can gain height by pumping that chair up. It's all good, but look. it talking about it, looking at some of the things while you were reading that uh, great read there for game time. Looking at some of the people uh, in the chat and you know, outside of Ubre H H on on the chat. Ubre Mars only legit scores off the bench, and this is what we you know you pointed out there, Derek. That they don't have a lot of options outside of what Patrick Beverly did against the Boston Celtics on Friday night. When you talk about legit scores, and we all figure that the Anthony Melton while not known as a score scorer. scorer but we think that he's best off the bench. He is going to stay in that spot as the number uh, of one of the starters in the, in, the, in the five there with that unit, and that's just what it's going to be. But they are going to stagger where they have those two maybe on the, floor, on the floor together, Oubre and Mars, with some of the starters, where those lineups might look a little bit better. And again, when you're feeling like you're involved and you, you're bought in, it, it, it may be pretty good. It might, it might actually work. Might actually work. Yeah, I would
2: say I'm still dubious. <laughs> I, I, I convince I would, these guys. No, it's, no, listen. I just it's, know,
0: it. I know
2: it. I think Derek and I maybe over-focus on defense sometimes. And well, it is
1: half the game.
2: It, it is. It's quite literally half the game. But I, I think it, here's where I end up falling on it. I'm okay with him being one of the options if we reach a point where Marcus Morris is a nailed on every single night rotation guy, that I think is a problem. Cause that would, then you're saying to the guys like Jaden Springer, guys like D house who all, they have their own, you know, strengths and weaknesses as basketball players and they need their own burn. But I think are probably, if you're talking about the man management side of it, are probably going to take it a little easier than Morris would. Like, Morris has already vocalized. I wanted. I thought I was coming here for a bigger role and is a little bit more ornery about it, as is his right. But I don't want them to put themselves in a position where, because he's the squeaky wheel, he's just getting those opportunities even if he starts to play worse and shoot worse and all of that. Like, that's where you can't go too far to try to placate guys, right? There's a, a fine line between keep everybody alive and happy and feeling like they're a part of something and leaning too hard toward the guy who I think is more likely than Jaden Springer, for example, to cause a fuss if he's not getting sure. playing time.
0: Yeah.
1: And for me, it's just like, I don't think, especially if you're talking about like 10, 15 minutes per game, a guy who's maybe a 20% Better offensive player than let's say like a Covington, mm. but you can pick on him every time down the floor in a pick and roll defensively. That to me is just not worth the minutes. And right now, quite frankly, Marcus Morris is over exceeding in terms of his his shooting. Like he's shooting, uh, forty eight percent from a three point range. Yeah. Uh, that's about 10% higher than his career. That is going to regress back. He's not all of a sudden at 34 years old, a much better perimeter shooter. He's going through also, a hot Also, nobody's
2: spell. a 48% three-point shooter. That's point a good pun, except for Isaiah
1: Joe, but we won't bring him up here. Because <laughs> no, bring it up. Bring it up. I missed that conversation. <laughs> but that defense isn't getting – I just don't think that defense is getting better. And you might be able to hide it a little more because you're not asking him to play the five and protect the rim. But it's going to be exploitable every time down the floor. I don't tend to veer towards those kinds of players. I understand the offense is more entertaining to watch, and you do need threats on there um, to help, especially in like the Embiid minutes without Maxi. Like another shooter, a floor spacer would be great. I just don't think the value add of him over the other options is worth the uh, worth the downgrade on defense. But we'll
0: see. and again, all, all all fair, all fair. I'm making the argument because yes, I I do like Marcus Morris more than both of you, and even a lot of people that that are in the chat, but. I, I also do see things that might Hold be. On we have Elliot in the chat saying we had they the team at
1: seventh
2: up. before the season started. Absolutely not. We had not, them at buddy. 50
1: wins and in the top four. No
2: yeah. fucking shot that we had them <laughs> anywhere close to seventh.
1: If, if you're going to look, yeah. we can be pessimists at times. I would say not so much pessimist, but like we do look out for. The Sorry to cut you pro- off. Tomorrow, no, no, no. But that was no. like. It's that's podcast, just Get right
2: fabrication.
1: <laughs> we do look out for the potential pain points and the things they have to overcome. That's fair. But if you're going to come out back with that, you've got to come out with truth, and that's nowhere near true. And by the way, I also thought that they were a 50-win team from afar. And by the yeah. way, like yeah. when I went on Nate Duncan's podcast, I was more optimistic than him. I think we were probably more optimistic about the team than the national media. Uh, we try to call it like we see it. I
2: would also we tell you know this. We were better, more optimistic too. than the fan base before the season started. Yeah. We were all sitting here telling people, look, I think Maxie is a really exciting young player. I think Joel, as soon as you watch him play again, you'll forget some of the playoff struggles and say they have an MVP level talent on their team. Don't, don't bring that in here. Come on. There's
1: just some people like if you, if you don't like everyone on the team, then you're a hater. And that's just the way fans are. Yeah.
0: It's- yeah. Well, look, I mean, this team was coming in here, even with hard, they were still going to be a good team just based on talent uh, of winning regular season games and a high number of regular season games where whatever the number was from Las Vegas. And I think it was like 47 or 48 or something like that. Something in that range. I was like, seriously? And this is where I always got into my whole thing of, yeah, you might want to stay out of family business in the area because we know better. (laughs) And we look at them and we're like, yeah, they actually are better than that at 47 wins. They're actually going to win more games than that. And now that we've seen it and other people are jumping on it and they had that great start with how, Nick Nurse has been doing things and they have these other pieces that are actual, re- actually really good pieces to, to go along with Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey and you, of course, include Tobias Harris in that. This team is going to win 50 games and we were talking about it before the show. They're going to be a top four team and when we look at that record talking about this schedule, coming, this is where you pile yeah. up those wins to get to
1: that spot. And so one of the things that, that Kyle and I both sort of had, had our positive rants before the season. One of mine was you are one stroke of luck away from being right back in contention with a clear path towards using either the trade chips or the uh, cap space to really make yourself relevant in terms of winning a title. And that was Tyrese Maxey and whether or not he could be yep. that primary initiator, the top perimeter scoring option on a championship caliber team. Certainly what he's done so far has exceeded those expectations and put them in a place where if you can do this in the playoffs, they are at a point where you can start talking about contention once again. So I guess by just a general point, because again, this is something I talked about with Austin on his show the other day. Um, go check Man, that out. Man, Austin As
2: is getting a lot of free promo on well, this show. Well, he is here every, every
1: every show. Is and he I feel paying like,
2: you? Or are you getting ad dollars on the side? Like what
1: the fuck's going point. on she, here? Anyway, he, he brought it up a side <laughs> deal. If you're going to do all this
2: promo, oh my god,
1: <laughs> we bring him up a lot in terms of picking on him. We should probably occasionally uh, give him a shout fair. out. He is. Does still have dollar. terrible food but, takes. Let us borrow a dollar. We won't talk about his rap opinions. Anyway. Are you at the point where, with what Tyrese has shown you, are you comfortable with him being your best perimeter scoring option on a in the playoffs? Like, are you there yet?
0: Yes, I am. Uh, I, I am. Uh, I wasn't sure we would get there. I wasn't sure if he had this in him to both be your best perimeter scorer and run the team the way that he has. And so far, I've seen it. A few years ago, I think it was the playoffs, uh, his second year, and he was playing – he was starting when uh, Ben Simmons was traded – and I think he had, I think it was against, no, it wasn't Toronto. I can't remember what the what the team was, but he dropped, it was Toronto. It was that Toronto Raptors series. And he dropped, what, 38 in that game at home in the first, one of the first two games. And I remember saying that this guy is a star. Now, it was projecting out that he's going to be a star, not a star in that moment. But you could see it right there. The question was, could he then roll it all together and become a floor general and run a basketball team, still finding and hunting his shots where he's still also going to make sure that he runs the team the right way to get everybody else their opportunities to do so. And what, with what we've seen so far through the 19 games, I, I do believe that he can be the number one perimeter option. I still believe they need a better third or second, pardon me, perimeter option, third scorer to to go along with it. That's where we get to the OG and OB kind of conversations and some of the other... Uh, people also but he has shown that he can do it now I think the matchup matters too because we have seen where he struggled against Boston had his good Mm -hmm. moments against Boston but also struggled against Boston so I I do think though based on what we've seen so far that he can be that number one perimeter option putting it all together in a playoff situation and getting it done because we do know this too in the postseason that Perimeter scores, we've seen it for years where they go off in any given moment and drop, I don't know, 11 in a row. And Maxi has that microwave exactly. scoring. He level. can hit three threes in a span of four possessions, get another bucket because of his speed, because they're playing him a certain way, finishing in transition, whatever it might be, and bang, your timeout is right there. And you just ran off that 11 where you turn maybe a two or three point deficit or a two, three point advantage that you had to a eight, nine point, 11 point lead at that point. And the momentum is on your side, even if it's on the road where you know that, okay, now we can also, where they're going to start to overplay me. And, and as I'm I'm speaking to Maxi that now I can get the big fella going here. And then he drops his seven in the next couple of possessions. And then the other guy goes off and then the other guy goes off and the next thing you know, The game is over, and we're talking about So I do see that in Tyrese Maxey as the number one option on the postseason team as a contender. But they still do, I believe, need somebody to either elevate their game that's currently on this roster, or that's where we talk about whatever happens by February if they upgrade somewhere where we get a third or second perimeter score maybe a third option, because I just don't know if Tobias will be able to do that for what we're asking and I think what we, we do. Know. I was
2: going to say, I want to hold that thought for a second. Okay. I want to go off of what you said here, okay. in To me, the final level now for Tyrese, we've seen well, he can be a 25-point-per-game guy in the regular season. He can be the table setter. He can be the guy who's playing off of Joel, running the two-man game, running the pick-and-rolls, doing all that. The final level is him doing that consistently against – the Bostons, the Milwaukee's, and the teams that can throw big, physical, athletic defenders at him. Because the thing that we've seen when he's had struggles so far this year, now some of them have been without Joel available, and to your point about the third option, second perimeter guy, teams have been able to key on him so hard when Joel is not on the floor or not available for a game that essentially it's like he's getting double teamed, they're sending guys out to half court on some possessions, and they're stunting, they're trapping, they're doing all kinds of things to stop him from getting going. But he's got to figure out ways to consistently beat that type of pressure, that type of coverage. The big adjustment for him now is what happens when you are at or near the top of the scouting report for Mm -hmm. other teams. Because that's not a thing that – was typical for him, right? Like, as recently as last season, he was in a six-man role for, you know, a month, month and a half, two months last year. Outrageous. Which, ridiculous At the moment, in hindsight. We, we all thought that out. Yeah. So Tyrese remember, stu- when,
1: remember when Doc, like, didn't play him against the Hawks? Yes. He just didn't play him. Yes.
2: Crazy. Wow. And then he came in and saved their asses yeah. in game six yep. when everyone had basically assumed yep. they're going down there to die, and Joel and Ben both... Played pretty poorly, and Tyrese was that the came, uh,
1: eight turnover game for Joel? Yep, was game six.
2: One? Tyrese had still what, 18? dragged their asses yep. to you know the through with the good vibes as always. So anyway, the point is Tyrese has shown he can play at a very high level, and he's been able to do things that frankly we didn't see him do in seasons past. The last level for him to be a genuine star playoff driving player is to be able to beat up on – maybe not beat up on those teams, but be relatively efficient and be a good first, second option depending on the game next to Joel. That's the challenge ahead.
1: So you're not ready to give him his own Foco bobblehead, huh? He's oh, he's more he than earned yeah, a bobblehead. Yeah.
2: That's that's yeah, yeah.
0: no question. Yeah, yeah. He, he can. He definitely has the bobblehead. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's not a question at this point. You know what you can get if they have the – Tyrese Maxi Bobblehead. You can go to FOCO, a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment and merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and much more. Best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. It's football and tailgating season. Big games for the birds, and, and you want to make sure you have all your gear, even for the holiday season. Overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags everything you need for a game for yourself for your loved ones foco has hooked phly up and provided some awesome pieces for our sets as you see here not just for our show but for our colleagues also here when they do their shows make sure you check it out foco always has our back for philly sports and they have yours too get the best gear around by using the link in our description for all non-presale items use the promo code phly10 That's for 10% off. So
1: I guess to sort of like answer my own question, to me, the only thing really holding him back is age and experience. Like 23-year-old guards just are usually not ready to lead a playoff run like that. Like even going back to Steph, and Steph, I feel like is the one you always compare him to. Back in the you know, conference semifinals against the Spurs, his final two games, he averaged 15 points, shot 35% from the field, and had almost as many. Turnovers as assists and he just wasn't ready in that moment. And it's not a skill thing. That's not a does he have the dog in him thing? That's not any of that. Was he shrinking in the moment? No, it's just there's it requires a lot of experience to be able to adjust on the fly when they go, all right, we're completely revamping our our, our defense in game five of a crucial playoff series. Can you adjust on the fly and quick enough in order to not waste the precious opportunity you have in a playoff series? You just don't have a long time to adapt. And when you have that scouting, that game to game, you know, chess match, it requires experience to be able to adjust on the fly like that. So if he can't do it, it's really because of his birth certificate and lack of experience more so than I don't think he can do it in the future. But that's sort of the problem with this team and with where they are in their franchise. You need him to be his 27, 28 year old self at 23 and so far, I think he has, has played well enough where you can be optimistic and be curious whether or not he could do something that most 23-year-olds can't, but there's still just the reality that's very tough for him to do.
0: How much do we go back to the Boston series last season, though, where he struggled at times, but then he snapped out of it? When we talk about the Game 5 in Boston on the road, we know about Game 1 and 4 where Harden just went absolutely crazy and dropped those 40-point games, and the Sixers needed that. But we also know that Tyrese Maxey was getting that attention from the Boston defense, from those players, Kyle, that you talked about, with that length and that physicality, whether it was Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, or Jason Tatum, or Derek White, who was an all-defensive all, all defensive, um, uh, performer a few years back with the San Antonio Spurs and still very good defensively. He saw those. And, That's the best defensive backcourt in the league and you know, he still, pretty easily. And he so. still found a way to score them as, I think at least, that the way that they did it was to slow him down and dared James Harden to beat them on the perimeter. So he was still their number one focal point of slowing down. And he figured something out after struggling in the beginning to become a big piece because in that game five, both he, I think he had 30, and Embiid had 33, where Harden had the double double of 17 10 and maybe like eight boards or whatever. It was a great floor game. and But Maxi figured it out later on. Against that team that we're talking about that he's going to see again and be the number one perimeter option that he has to try to figure out that they're going to stop
1: but even to that point those three games in the middle there he averaged 13 points and shot sure. like 34 yeah. percent from the field and in a short series especially when you only now have Wonk really one time. perimeter option and one and a half people who can, on the team who can dribble like they need him to be more consistent and again i think he has shown he has a capability to succeed in the playoffs even against really tough defenses can he be consistent enough and can he adapt quick enough it's hard to say until he's in that like he can do whatever he wants here in the, in the regular season it's just a different animal in the playoffs and asking him to you know rely on him to be your primary guy at this age and at this experience level it's just going to be tough just gonna be tough we will have more information in february when they have to make a decision on a trade target i don't necessarily think this is something that will impact their decision because i think they'll probably just go for the best creator they can get and mm-hmm. see whether or not um you know that is whether that's better than tyrese or not who knows probably not because those kind of players don't tend to be on the trade market all that often but you know it's just something we're even just watching them a couple more times against the boston's of the world will be good, even though they don't really play Boston all that many.
2: Players. So I want to build off of that to ask Devon something after I point out that I went from the rafters to on the ice uh, on the screen there. Just So <laughs> nobody <laughs> thinks that I'm making anything up about this chair. I saw. You are mighty short. I, I saw it I saw. So Devon, I have a question for you because Derek mm-hmm. and I have...
1: I'm just going to sit up all the way up there <laughs> so I can feel better about Der-
2: myself. Derek and I have gotten into him quite a bit recently. I guess what is your current view Yo, completely on, me now. You're so short. on Tobias. <laughs> do you want me
1: to adjust your mic your-
2: here? Oh. No, no. What do I need mean? <laughs> the, the, the kitty help over here? <laughs> what is your view Devon on Tobias right now? And a lot of the fan base I think is at the point where even though he's on an expiring, the contract's going to be gone after this year, regardless. I think there is a pretty significant group of people in the fan base who are just like, They need to get rid of him before the deadline and bring someone else here because they know how this movie ends and they're expecting it to end the same way with him in the playoffs once again.
1: We had people in the chat wanting Marcus Morris ahead of him in the rotation. Someone that's, had it
0: here today. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like right.
1: that's wild. But yeah. So back on the uh, rafters. I, by I the way. looked at. Yeah,
0: good to see. Um, I I look, <laughs> I look at that and I say that I, I'm not unless it, it's something that he is really have to. He really has to be the headline with picks, of course. In in a deal that I truly believe, whatever happens, that he's still really going to be the fourth option with whatever they do. Like the O'G Ananobi thing. While we can't sit here and say he's drastically better offensively because we know him more so for his defense but you feel like maybe you trust him more uh, offensively we don't know that answer in a Sixers uniform but we've seen him of course do things with the Toronto Raptors so for Harris I don't necessarily have to see him moved in a deal because I'm fine with him being the fourth my problem is that we've seen him now for what five seasons and it's the same stuff Now, I will give him a few years ago, I thought he was the most consistent in the playoffs, even through once they got to round two. And he performed really well, way beyond what I believed that he was going to do. But seeing him again here through these 19 games, that he is that guy. There's not much to him where it's going to change. We all can figure out the move that's coming. We all know where where the spot is. Look, we all look at not even teams here locally, but nationally when we watch the other teams. All right, this player, Kevin Durant, likes to get to this spot at the elbow. TJ McConnell likes to get to that side of the floor where he likes to shoot it here. We know, again, that Tobias Harris wants to get to certain spots. We know the stutter step is coming with the high dribble, and we know he wants to back down a defender. And there's not a lot of creativity there where we are going to get frustrated and say, why didn't you finish that right there? That is your shot. Why, Why are you not doing that? We are, we just have to get used to it. And I think a lot of fans, Sixer fans out there are going to have to get used to the fact that I think he's going to be there and be a part of the team, be that fourth option for your offense once the postseason gets here. And after all this time, folks, he's, the the money's coming off the books. So it, it's it's just simply a question of even in that fourth option with whatever else they bring in here, can he elevate himself in this offense to do a little bit differently from what we've seen in the past to actually help them get past that second round and win because there's there's not much else to him. So, uh, but I don't need I don't think he's going to be traded, and I don't need to see him need to see him as part uh, of another deal to to go and bring in another player.
1: I do think at times, and look, Tobias frustrates me because, like I said in the last show, he doesn't excel as like an off-ball role player, and he doesn't excel as a featured player. He's just kind of competent at a lot of things. I don't love that archetype of player. And obviously, I don't love the the contract that's been weighing them down for a long time, but the contract isn't weighing them down anymore. They're not really at a threat of a hard cap. They don't really have moves that will put them there. Uh, That contract expires. It's not holding them back for this year, for the rest of the year. And I think a lot of people look at Tobias and say, you know, he is actively harmful on the court. He's not. He's not who you need him to be. He's certainly not worth his contract, but he's not actively harmful on most nights. Now, look. The Boston game game
2: last Friday is an exception, yeah. So,
1: he's frustrating. I get that. He frustrates me. The contract's bad. It's been bad for the entire time. what it is. But at this point, it is what it is. You're not going to change the equation by just getting rid of him. You actually have to get better players back. Uh, And I think at that salary, because they have so many other matching salaries, I agree with you. There's a real chance he is on this team. After the trade deadline, mm-hmm. not a guarantee. Mm-hmm. Like they, a super, if there a superstar becomes available, certainly he could be part of that deal. But there's a chance he'll be on his team, and he is not, like he is not weighing the Sixers down in terms of he shouldn't be on the floor. He just shouldn't be paid what he's paid.
0: At, at best, at the deadline, if he is still part of the team and not included in any package, what do you look at him as going into a playoff run, end of the season, into the playoffs? What do you look at him as at best? On this team, fourth option, third option. Oh yeah, I mean, ideal world, he's got to be the fourth guy. Okay, and I, to
2: Derek's point about how he scales and you know his value as a secondary off ball guy, he's only taking a little over three threes a game this year as the third guy, and on a team that Joel Embiid's it's getting infuri- doubled in the middle of the floor, yeah. Tyrese Maxey's now drawing doubles when he's running the offense by himself for Tobias to only take 3.3 threes a game set aside that he's shooting 32% on threes which is crazy low for him mm-hmm. the volume is just not there and yes. we've only seen him buy into volume shooting for you know a week at a time yes. 2 weeks at a time and it's normally at the start of a season it's like okay i got in the lab i got in the gym i was doing this all summer i got I give Tobias credit for it. I think he goes into every offseason, gets his messaging from whether it's Doc, whether it's Nick Nurse, whoever the coach is, and he does try to apply that to how he goes about his summer. I think there's a real effort made there. The problem is he's what, 31 now, and his habits are so ingrained Mm -hmm. that he goes through those first few weeks. And like a lot of people, it's like, you know, people start going to the gym and they're in their good habits. And it only takes one bad day or I'm just going to fall back on what got me here, my normal routine. And Tobias is just a guy whose normal routine does not match what the Sixers need out of the 3-4 spot. They just need volume shooting, quick decision making, and better defense. I do give him credit. I think there have been moments where he's had some real defensive success here over the last few years. I do think he cares there. Yep. But I think there is still a limit on how high the ceiling is. Sure. There.
1: And like the defense, he especially in the playoffs, he scales up as a one-on-one defender pretty well. The team stuff, he has always been his weaker point. But to your point, if he would just like he, for his Sixers career, he's shooting 37% from three. That's fine. Mm-hmm. That's, that's good. Just, if he, if it was just on freaking six attempts per game instead of three. Just take more of them. Like, he
0: can make them, yes. when he, but when he gets in his head, when he misses them, Oh, 100%. That's, that's the problem. That's, and then Kyle's, he hesitates,
1: and then he you, you see it, it's there, and 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 he just doesn't do it. And to Kyle's point, I think part of the reason why he has success to start the season is he comes in, he's put in that work, so he has internal confidence. He comes out, the results are there, the confidence keeps going. But the moment he hits a dry spell, he just reverts. And I don't, you can't expect him to change at this point like he is... 31 going on 32 years old. He's Um, been in the league since 2011. Like
2: this is not a guy who you can reasonably expect to just become something different than what he is. And that's not criticism. That's look, if you made the type of money that Tobias has made and you've had the amount of success that he's had, like we can say that they've been stuck in the second round and all that, but he has a super high end outcome for average guy who gets drafted and then comes to the NBA. So I get it. I understand why you get to a tough spot. You're falling back on what got you there, but it is not what's going to propel this team past the roadblock that they've hit in the second round. And,
0: and the hypothetical man says he he gets in his head also when he gets blocked too. But, and but that's what that's,
1: that's what you were for a good three months. You were the hypothetical man I was, hypothetical. I was very we
0: hypothetical. love hypothetical man. Yeah, He's hypothetical here hypothetical all the time. Man. Yeah, we can do that. We can add that
1: to. The sh- we can't steal the name, but you know, add
0: that to the show. But uh, when. I don't mind him reverting back to what he knows because oftentimes when you have to get back to cleaning things up, you have to go back to what you know. The problem is when it gets in his head out there on the perimeter the way that it does, then it gets in his head even if he knows that he has to go back, let's say backing down a smaller defender, get a fadeaway jumper, just to see you know see the ball go through the net, get to the free throw line, see the ball go through the net, or get a layup and see the ball go through the net and you feel pretty good about yourself. The, te- the tentativeness follows him from there, to there so it doesn't really matter where yes you are going to your bread and butter and what really helps clean up you know clean out the the mess that's in your head but when you take that and then go down to the low block or the mid-range or the elbow whatever it might be and you can see him short on him he didn't shoot that right you know you got to follow through on that elbow jumper he didn't shoot it he just kind of shot it because he was thinking about it and he didn't follow through the way that he needed and that's the problem where it's okay to clean your head out to go back to what you know, but when you do that, you can't take that thing that got you back into that spot and let it affect the next one that you're going to take in your sweet
1: spot. Oh, look, if today wasn't a great show, we can't let that affect us. We'll be here tomorrow night <laughs> go <back> to what <laughs> after you
0: the know. game. And what a transition. Tra- got to go back to what you know. <laughs>
2: All right, boys, I think that's probably a good place to wrap it for today. We will be back after tomorrow night's instant classic Sixers-Wizards <laughs> game that I'm sure that we're going to be treated to. want to thank a lot of people who are here today. A lot of you, I'd say your names every day, and I love you for that. Hypothetical man, Money Marr, two-minute warning, HH, SB Cole, Valerie, King Krabs, D'Angelo, John, We got – I'm sorry. I'm scrolling further up. Elliot, even though you said we were picking the Sixers to be seventh this year and that was wrong, we still love you for being here, Elliot. See, Ishmael, Brian, Hot John Chili Sauce. I guess that's technically free promo, but congratulations on that. Derek already gave out enough today. Provolone John, Abe, Untitled Rome. Thank you guys all for being here. Don't we also do we have to,
0: we got a a super chat yesterday at the end of the show. Oh, we did. I don't actually 20 bucks. Sky sky dweller views. There you go. I believe it was a 1999. That's
2: that's 20 bucks. That's 20 bucks right there. I believe that was someone who's either Devon knows or was shouting out Devon specifically. So thank you very much for that. And if you guys on your way out today, could hit that subscribe button and the bell icon so you get notifications every time we go live and each of our colleagues go live could also hit that thumbs up button on this video that helps us out a great deal been awesome to see you guys again today devon derek i'll talk to you guys soon
1: i just realized we gotta get some devon some flair for his laptop do so i need it's flare a very for laptop. it's a very naked gotta laptop. have
0: some flair. gotta have flare? Mm-hmm.
1: all right I we'll work so. on that all right I, i've
0: been away so <laughs> I'll, I'll i'll buy into it i appreciate right. it see it. Thanks, you guys though city like the mayor